In this episode, we're going to talk about how to earn more income without much extra effort. We're going to talk to a business attorney who helps business owners improve their income by bringing them through what he calls the business legal lifestyle that helps build a practical pathway to building a successful business. This is P is for Profit. You're listening to the P is for Profit podcast with Adam Lean, where it's not about how much you make. It's about how much you keep and how much freedom you enjoy. Welcome to P is for Profit. My name is Adam Lean and I, along with the rest of the team at the CFO Project, are passionate about helping business owners improve the profitability of their business. My guest today is Jeremy Stretton. He's a business owner, a business attorney, and an author, and he's developed a concept called the business legal life cycle. And I'm excited to dive in and learn what that's about. But Jeremy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Adam. I'm looking forward to, to having a, a discussion about this. Yeah, so I'm excited to jump in and and uh, and understand what you mean by the business legal life cycle. But uh, tell us first about yourself and what got you started working with business owners. Yeah, so I've been a lawyer for about 16 years as a you know, when we're recording this, and uh, I started as a lawyer. I, you know, people can probably tell from my accent that I'm from Australia. Um, <laughs> and I, um, I started working after I left uni in a law firm, and I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I kind of fell into law and property uh, and, and, and business type law, um, and I really enjoyed it. I got a lot of value out of it. Uh, I learned a lot. I worked in a, in a small law firm where I was just doing everything, and I really got a, a passion for helping business owners. And so eight years ago, uh, I started my own law firm with my business partner, and I developed this concept of the business legal life cycle. Frankly, I got sick and tired of lawyers just being there to react to problems, and I wanted to be more proactive. I wanted to set up a program that people could use to be proactive and learn the gaps and the blind spots in their business. And I found that that's worked really well to actually help people prevent problems from before they arise. Wow. So what are some examples of gaps and blind spots that I mean, because by definition, they're blind spots. They don't know. <laughs> what, what, are, what are some examples? Some great examples are things like uh, uh, contracts, uh, engagement letters with clients, like how you actually engage with your clients. So that's phase three of the life cycle, which is all about having the right documentation in place to actually engage with your clients properly. Often business owners, when they start their business, they're really keen to get in there. I know I've been there. I've started three businesses and you want to start working with your clients and you want to start doing things and you think, oh, I'll I'll worry about all the legal stuff later. And five, six years later, you've been acting or you've been working, working for someone for that long. You've never had a contract in place a dispute arises over something and then there's no there's no agreement about how to deal with that. There's no understanding of what happens. And so that's a huge blind spot that I see. Another one is when people bring on employees, not having things like workplace policies in place. Uh, yeah, they, don't, they don't think about the, what, what they need to have in place for the, their expectations with their team and they start off with one or two people and then they build, build, build. And, you know, that, all of a sudden they have a team of 10 and they've got cultural problems and, and uh team member problems because they haven't identified what they expect people to do in their business. And these are really simple things that lawyers can help them to put in place that they don't do because they don't know that they need it. And so the book goes through, or the, the book um, that I've done in Australia, the UK and the US goes through why they need to do these things and how they go about doing it. And the, and the book is, is called The Business Legal Lifestyle. Life cycle. So, yes. Life cycle. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> don't, don't worry. Trans- 
lots of people lots of people make that mistake and i've actually thought about changing the name of it because lots of people lots of people say that no no, no I, I like life cycle uh <laughs> i keep transposing those things but but what so you mentioned one of the pieces of it but what is the business legal life cycle yes so it's 13 phases of what you need to do in business from a legal perspective and when you need to do it. So what I did is I looked through about 5,000 businesses that I'd acted for over over about um, 13 years and worked out when the successful firms did things well and when people who failed didn't do things well. And so I mapped out the journey through a business and when, and when they should do and, and take what steps. And so it was funny, you know, when I started my business, we, we got the services of a business coach and he told me at the beginning, you'll write a book. And I went, no, I won't. What, what business lawyer? Who wants to read a, a business law um, <laughs> book? Yeah. And I, I mocked him and then I had to uh, go, go back with my tail between my legs when I came up with my 13 phases of, of when people do it because there's a book. There's, you know, in the book, we discuss or I discuss each phase and what people need to do, what the bare minimum is and to put in place from a legal perspective and then who they need to speak to. Do they need to speak to their lawyer? Do they need to speak to their accountant? Do they need to speak to their bookkeeper? Who is it that they need to speak to, uh, to to put those right things in place for their business? So at a minimum, what are some basic things that businesses need to have in place if they, you know, the, if they're just existing, regardless of how big they are? Yeah. So uh, what I mentioned before, having a standardized way to engage with your clients or customers, okay. uh, having uh, employment agreements for your team, having uh, uh, policies about the team and what they can do uh, and what your expectations are about them. Going before that, uh, phase two startup is probably the one that people get wrong the most. Uh, and so that's like understanding your structures. So what what structure are you going to operate your business in and really understand what it is that you want and therefore in the long term so that you can understand which structure is right for you because there's no 100% cookie cutter approach to that. And it's something that I see business owners get wrong all the time is they think they go and get advice from their friend. Oh, you know, they started an LLC or that or, or whatever. And they haven't uh, thought about what's actually their goal and where they want to go in their in their business. And they need to get tailored advice for them in to make sure that it's correct, the correct structure so that they can achieve what they want to do in the future. Mm, okay. So obviously you're you're an expert at business law. Mm. What uh, what are the biggest mistakes that business owners make in in the legality of their business and or legal matters with their business? I think the biggest mistake is not actually getting any advice and thinking they can do it all themselves. Yeah, there's a lot of products out there that do the document generation they do but, but no one's telling them what they actually need to get and so that's where i saw a gap in the market so i think this there's this there's this feeling that lawyers are scary that we uh that we charge too much and so people go well i don't need to get legal advice i'll go and do something else and i think the, the biggest mistake business owners make when it comes to law is not getting advice yeah i anecdotally i, I met with a, a guy that i went to school with and i left school 20 20 plus years ago and he's run many successful businesses i met him last week and he's finally realized that he needs a lawyer and he's gone this far without doing one my goodness yeah He's made so many mistakes along the way uh that that we could have solved <laughs> and 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 i think that that you know just, just that this thought process, oh, I don't need a lawyer and we're too expensive and we're not approachable. And one of the things one of the things that I'm always very big on is being approachable and letting people talk to you because people don't get legal advice because for those reasons. And it is expensive, but you don't know what the 
one of the hardest things being lawyers, you don't know what the cost would be if you don't do something. Right. And it's like so, insurance. <laughs> it's like insurance. Yeah. And so, and, and people don't, and, and I understand why they, they don't want to spend the money on lawyers because they go, well, it's expensive and I, and I don't see the benefit of it. I, you know, throughout the book, I give examples of, I call them from the case files, which is an, an old X-Files reference, one of my favorite shows growing up. And, and, and um, it, we talk about the, yeah, this, this is what happens. This is what can happen if you don't do those things in place. So the, to answer your question, the biggest mistake is not getting the advice in the first place and thinking that you can just do it yourself and everything will be okay. Because whilst that might be the case for a period of time, there's always things that pop up and that you need to fix. So, so if that's the case, people need to have some sort of, you know, a business attorney that they can call on. How do, how do you know the difference between a, a good one and a bad one? I mean, did, <laughs> Just like a doctor, you don't. You're most people are not medically trained. How do you spot the difference between the two? That's a great question, and I don't have a 100 percent uh, infallible formula for it. But I'll tell you what what I think are the main differences. Uh, one, a lawyer who is certain about their pricing. So, uh, yeah, I, I always charge fixed fee, and I know a lot of other lawyers do. So you come and get a quote for the price if you know what you're doing. If you've, if you've got the experience, you should know how much work is involved and what the value is you're providing. So if they're offering a fixed fee, I think that's a great indication that they know what they're doing. Yeah. Second of all, the questions they ask. You know, throughout the book, I give some great examples of people who came to me for a second opinion because their lawyer didn't ask them questions that would have got delved deeper. You know, I tell a story in there, and when I do my talks, I tell a story, and I won't go into all the details about a franchise owner, and he was being sued. And he lost this court case and he had over half a million dollars worth of debt from this court case. And he thought that he could just go bankrupt and avoid paying the debt. No one had, ex- and he told his lawyer that was acting for him in the litigation that that's what he was going to do. And no one asked him what he actually owned. And it turned out that he owned over $2 million worth of property unencumbered and his businesses. And because he didn't ask, well, because the lawyer didn't ask more questions and were just acting in the litigation and just, do, just doing what they needed to do, he could have lost everything. But he came to me and we're right, because I asked the right question. So the, the, the answer to you know, the second element other than the fixed fee is, do they ask lots of questions? Are they more interested about finding out about you and your business? If they're just there to solve one particular problem, that to me is a red flag because they don't, they're not looking at the bigger picture and so they can't yeah. help you in a holistic fashion. Yeah. And I can, I can almost imagine that if they don't ask the right questions, that also means that they may not be business-minded attorneys. They may be great attorneys in other fields, but not necessarily with business. And I think that's super important. Yeah, and 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 look, most lawyers are excellent technicians. You know, I know I, know I was when right. I started my, my business, I, and you know, a lot of us, and, and I and I fell into this trap was, yeah, you know, I knew that I, I knew that I could do it better. You know, inverted commas, I knew that I could do it better than the than the um, people I was working for, and I had no idea how to run a business. I had to, yeah, you know, I've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars teaching myself how to how to operate a business and how to run it properly. And most lawyers don't spend the time doing that, so they don't have that knowledge. So, you, you the questions that they ask will tell you the. The, their level of knowledge on these things and how much they can actually help you. So they're the two main. They're what I would say the, the two main factors uh, that would pick a good attorney from a bad attorney. Yeah, no, that that makes a lot of sense. You mentioned these uh, sort of uh, you know service attorney resources, almost like legal zoom. What are your thoughts or, or feelings on things like that, like self service? <laughs> I think uh, they're great. 
I, I think they solve a they solve a, a gap in the market that is is widely needed. I think the problem with them though is that, that they don't tell you what you need to do. Yeah, it's literally, true. you know, and, and I know lots of people who use them and, and that's fine. They they don't tell you what you need to, and they also they're very much cookie, cookie cutter. You you, you enter yeah. some details and that and they just fill in the blanks. Depending on the type of agreement or the type of, of documentation that you want, you need a lot more detail to go into that. I think as technology evolves, and one of the things that I'm looking at is is that you'll be able to to have more automation in the future and have it done properly once technology gets better and AI gets better and those kind of things. But I think they solve a gap at the moment for very basic documentation. But I think you need to be really careful that you can't, you may not be able to rely on them. You know, like as I said before, I'm in Australia and I and I work in the UK, Australia, and the US. And I often see people in the UK and Australia who've grabbed a document off LegalZoom that refers to all the US law, and none of that would apply here. And so you've got to be really, really careful with those kind of documents. But they serve a purpose if you that yeah you know, if you know what you're doing and and it's it's a nice simple type agreement. Yeah, no, that makes sense. One of the sort of uh, points on your life cycle, the business legal life cycle, is protecting IP mm. uh, or intellectual property. What, what can business owners, especially business owners that have started their own business, it's not necessarily a franchise, it's their own business, their own content, what can they do or what should they do to protect IP? Yeah, so that's a great question. I think the, the main thing that people miss here is registering the trademark so a trademark is your brand it's it's you know, your your brand that the, that should be unique that no one else has uh, and registering that uh, is is something that a lot of people miss now if you're running a, a small business you may not need to do that and you need to get advice from from an attorney about whether or not you should or shouldn't do that uh, but if you want any sort of scale I, I strongly recommend people go and register their trademark. It, it doesn't cost a lot. It's not a it's not a huge process, but it protects your brand from other people using it. And yeah, you know, I have a, a, again a story that I use in a lot of the talks that I do about a client of mine here who ran a business for twenty years, built it. It was a bakery, built it from one store to twenty seven stores in a in an area around here. Never registered a, a trademark, and when he wanted to set up a franchise, he. Uh, he didn't have a registered trademark, so we went to apply for it, and about another twenty stores around Australia had that trademark. So he couldn't get, he couldn't oh, register no. it. It cost him hundreds of thousands of dollars to rebrand it. And if he had just done the register the trademark at the beginning, that would never have been a problem because no one else could have used his name, and he would have he would have been able to do it. And so, so a few thousand dollars early on is is a wise investment. In saying that. A lot of people jump straight to they get their business idea and they go and register their trademark straight away. And you know, the, I always say, don't do that as well because you want to actually prove that you've got a business. You want to prove that you've got something. Get get some clients, get get some team, and then go and register your trademark. So that's the that's the first part in protecting intellectual property. The second part is your unique systems of how you actually operate your business. And this gets a little bit more into you know, outside law, but but also it's the value of your business. Uh, you, every, everyone in business, you know, whether you're a lawyer, a CFO, an accountant, whatever, you have a unique way that you operate your business. And whether that be how you do your work or just the, the way that you operate your business, that should be documented and should be understood and, and the systems and processes put in place so that everyone understands what they do. And protecting intellectual property, which is phase five, is all about that. It's about making sure that all of your IP, 
all of the what makes you unique and your business unique is protected. Mm. Yeah. No, that makes sense. So in your experience working with business owners, what separates successful business owners from those that always seem to struggle? <laughs> well, I think those who are willing to learn. So if they're listening to your podcast, uh, then you know they're, they're clearly willing to learn. I, I, I myself listen to a lot of podcasts as well, um, and I think I think that a willingness to learn is is really a key. I think to a a willingness to be vulnerable and to to you know, admit mistakes and and your own frailties, I think is really, really important because we don't know everything. And that's where I think, you know, we go back to what we were talking about earlier about people getting, you know, documentation from from places like LegalZoom, not to single them out, there's, there's quite a few of them, uh, that they think that they can do it all and they don't go and get advice. So I think having yeah. a little bit of humility to understand that you don't know any everything I was going to say anything, but of course we don't. We know anything. <laughs> we don't know everything, and to to know that, and to know that we that we need to learn. So you know, I read at least four books a month. I listen to a bunch of podcasts. You and I are part of an, a mastermind. You know, I run my own. I, I I love to learn. I have a board of directors, and I make sure that I'm learning. And I think from my experience, and, and certainly in my bubble, anyway, the, the people who are willing to learn are the ones who are more successful than those who who aren't. Yeah, I agree with you 100. Uh, you mentioned you have a board of directors for mm. your for your business. Tell tell me about that. So, so that's so yeah, it's, it's called the board of directors. It's really a board of advisors. So it's ten businesses that, that get together, and we do it three times a year. And you meet to discuss what's your, your current challenges in your business. And we we meet. It's it's a Brisbane based uh, thing that we do. And you prepare a board pack. You you go through. Uh, everything that's gone on for the last four months, you then have what we call board buddy meetings where you meet weekly about what's the current challenges and you help each other through that process. So it's not a board of directors of my business, but it's a board of advisors. Yeah. And I mean, but, but having, you know, regardless of the structure, having some some input, some guidance, because as, as a business owner, you're you're sort of on an island by yourself, mm. but having other people to, to, to look over your shoulder and help you is super mm. important it's like um the mastermind that you and i are part of iron sharpens yeah. iron. it's it's uh it's a similar concept uh it, rather than rather than the weekly meetings it's with everyone it's the it's three times a year we, we we block two whole days off and all we do is talk about our businesses you know phones are off everything's in the and it's from you know 6 30 a.m till 8 30 p.m and it's just really intense working on your business and it's really valuable i've learned a lot so Jeremy, if you could go back in time to when you started your business, what's one piece of advice that you would give younger you? Trust your gut. There's a lot of times that I knew that I should do something and I didn't do it because I was afraid of the consequence. I was afraid of the consequence to my business, to my business partner, to my employees. And not every time, but I would say 90% of the time, if I had just trusted my gut when I knew something wasn't working, say, if I knew a team member wasn't working out or I knew that you know, we should have taken a, a different path on, on the business or we should have contacted someone else, I feel, and, and you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing. I'm a lawyer. We live in hindsight so much of the time. Uh, I, I genuinely think that if I just trusted my gut a lot more, then, then I wouldn't have made the mistakes that I've made, which, you know, we all make mistakes in business. <laughs> Mm, yeah, no, that's super important. I, I totally agree. Mm. So, Jeremy, thank you so much for being here. What's you know, what's one piece of advice or wisdom or number one, uh, you know, uh, tip that you would give business owners? 
Uh, it comes back. I've said it a few times. Get advice. Uh, yeah. You don't know everything. You can't know everything. Uh, and that's fine. Uh, you need to get advice and you need to understand and take that advice. Now, you don't have to do everything that people tell you. You know, you know I read a lot of books. I don't do everything that the books say to do. You know, if I did that, I, I would never have any time to, to do anything else. Yeah. But, but you've got to listen to advice, listen to the reason for it, ask lots of questions if you're not sure, and then implement uh, what you want to do and be confident in what you're doing because if you don't do that that's where you where it causes lots of problems for for yourself so you know take the advice and 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 then make sure it applies to you and then run with it that's that's where i think the best you get your best bang for your buck yeah no that makes sense so speaking of getting advice where can people learn more about you where can they get your book Yep. So, so uh, the book is available on Amazon. Uh, if people are interested in that, I have put together a page uh, for for this podcast as a thank you for having me on here and to help people. Uh, it's businesslegallifecycle.com slash p then the number four profit, uh, and on there I've got copies of chapter two startup for the book uh, that I'm giving away for free to any any listener uh, today uh, because that is where I see the most problems in business. People don't put those chocks in place. So even if you've been operating your business for 20 years or whether you're just starting up or you've been in operation for a couple of years, I'd strongly encourage listeners to go on there and download a copy of that book, of that chapter. I've got, yeah, um, depending on where you are, I have, I've got a copy of chapter two for the US edition, the UK edition and the Australian edition because in there I talk about structures and, and there's a, a difference there. So you can go on there check that out, have a read of that chapter. Uh, you can contact me through that page. I've got my email address. Uh, and I also, uh, one thing we haven't talked about is we, we developed a, a SaaS, a software as a service tool that, that goes along with the business legal lifecycle. And uh, we've just released version 2.0. And uh, that is takes about 10 minutes. There's 30 questions and it places you within the lifecycle and it identifies your blind spots. Oh, wow. So it might, find, it might find you in phase five which is we talked about before, protecting intellectual property. It'll tell you what you need to do, and then it will tell you what you've missed in the previous four phases and identifies those blind spots. Recently released that, in, um, and, and that works in the UK, Australia, and the US. And I'm about to release South Africa um, in the next <laughs> next couple of months, so, which is exciting. Uh, and at the time of recording this, I'm, I'm about to head over there, which I'm looking forward to. Uh, and uh, for the listeners, as a thank you for having me on here, uh, if you go to that page, you'll see there's a 50% discount. Normally, we charge $97 for that test, but the listeners can get that for $48.50, uh, and that will identify the blind spots. It's, it's I, I believe, well over $1,000 worth of legal value just to, to identify the blind spots. So if you went to a lawyer to get that same advice, it would cost you about $1,000 to, to get that advice. So uh, more than happy for people to jump on there and have a look at that and tell me what you think of that. Yeah. Okay. So businesslegallifecycle.com slash P, the number four profit. And we'll put that link in the show notes and you can uh, find the book and find that, that quiz, the Beagle, the, the business legal lifestyle quiz. Uh, yeah. Wow. That's, that, uh, that looks very helpful. Well, Jeremy, yeah. thank you so much for being here. Uh, my pleasure. I, I really enjoyed our chat. Yeah, me too. Uh, and again, anybody listening, if you need, uh, if you want some some more info uh, on Jeremy or to read his book uh, or to take that quiz to see where you are in his uh, his legal uh, life cycle, um, you know, go to his website. We'll put that in the show notes. Uh, but thank you so much for listening. And remember, the goal of your business should be to make more profit than last year and turn that profit into cash that you get to keep. Thanks for listening. 
The P is for Profit podcast is sponsored by the CFO Project. We help small business owners and entrepreneurs pocket bigger profits. If you're ready to discover the five changes required to boost your profits this quarter, you'll want to attend our latest presentation, Why Your Small Business Might Not Be As Profitable As It Should Be. Register at the CFO Project.com slash video.